Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Today we're going to look at something a little different. Uh, the other day I was uh, thinking about this time of the year. It, it comes on us strong right before Christmas. The I mean, right before Thanksgiving, the urge to to push Christmas even further uh, before Thanksgiving and everything else. In fact, I think uh, the urge to push for Christmas came before even Halloween this year. It's just kind of strange how uh, the uh, calendar of retailers and all that tend to want to push us towards uh, buying more stuff and doing more stuff and all that kind of stuff. And so I got to thinking about uh, Christmas and about all the things that we usually do this time of the year. And one of my favorite things to to watch is a movie by Jimmy Stewart in 1954, a Frank Capra movie uh, called It's a Wonderful Life. I'm sure a lot of you uh, watch uh, that movie this time of the year. And normally I don't watch it with the rest of my family because they've grown tired of it a long time ago, uh, along with uh, uh, White Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And So I, I tend to uh, watch those on my own if I watch them at all, but... <clears throat> It got me to thinking about uh, this time of the year uh, when I was, was thinking about that movie and and how, as you know, uh, Jimmy Stewart plays a man who is frustrated with his life. He's he's wanted to be an adventurous guy, wanted to go off and see the world, but he uh, had to stay at home and do the responsible thing because uh, his uh, father passed away and he uh, helped, uh, needed to help saved the the savings and loan that his family ran and so he stayed behind and put all of his plans and his thoughts of life on the back burner so that he could uh, fulfill that role as as being responsible uh, for his family and he he's got he, he got so frustrated because of all the problems and troubles that came along with it that he wanted to commit suicide and jump off of a bridge and the movie doesn't center around that too uh, too much because it was a, a quite uh, depressing to think about that. But it focuses on an angel coming and talking to Jimmy Stewart's character and saying, uh, I'm going to give you your wish and make it so that uh, you don't have to uh, wonder what it was like if, if you hadn't lived. Uh, we're gonna, he, so he showed him what it, life would be like without his presence and without his uh, participation in life. And it got me to thinking about how more and more our society and our world is, is pushing Jesus Christ out of Christmas. And we don't have to wor- wonder what it's like to have Christmas without Christ because more and more our world is pushing more for Santa Claus to be the focus and the emphasis of of uh, Christmas rather than Jesus Christ. And uh, there was a push a couple of years back ago about 
uh, keeping Christ and Christmas and how uh, people felt as though Christ was being taken out of Christmas and it uh, had its heyday in those uh, couple of years ago. <coughs> but unfortunately, people made light of it and said, you know, well, nobody's trying to take uh, Christ out of Christmas. Nobody's trying to take... And really, they likened it to the traditions of of Christianity being taken out. Not even Christ, but rather just all the things that we uh, tend to, to focus on, uh, uh, like uh, the world would focus on uh, the, using the term Christmas rather than holidays. And it wasn't about using Christmas, it was about Christ being taken out of Christmas. So much so, I, I uh, came across a, an article by a uh, archbishop out of California, of all places, you would know uh, it had to be California, in which uh, he likened Santa Claus to God, the incarnation of God. And he, he talked about how uh, 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 Santa Claus embodied all three of the uh, persons of the Trinity and how he said it, uh, Santa Claus' bowl full of jelly was like the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit of God uh, brings happiness and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Santa Claus is like God the Father because He knows what you're doing when you're naughty and nice. He knows that you uh, uh, all those things. And He was like the Son of God, Jesus Christ, because His uh, bag was always full of presence and that he was always creating things and and bringing about uh, the creation and he, so he likened Santa Claus uh, to God a personification of God and if that isn't uh, a uh, a uh, mudding of what Christ is and what God is and in relation to Christmas, I don't know what is. And so it got me to wondering, well, what, what is it that we need to see in Christmas uh, to truly understand and know the significance? It's more than just simply uh, celebrating at this time of the year for the fact that Jesus came in uh, the form of a child, but uh, that He might live on this earth and die on the cross for our sins. But uh, let's really look at uh, this aspect of, of Christmas and the incarnation of Christ in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 6. It's the epitome verse uh, for understanding this. Uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 6. It really begins in verse 5, talking, uh, Paul is encouraging us to understand the mind of Christ. It says, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. And he <clears throat> explains to us the kind of mind that we are to have and the significance of having the mind of Christ in verse 6. And that's where we're going to focus on. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And so I want to look at five uh, steps 
of the Christmas story. Five steps of the Christmas story for us to understand what Christmas is all about and the significance of Christmas and how Christ is essential for us to understand the impact of Christmas and what Christmas is truly about. And we see this first in uh, verse 6. We see the first step is the, uh, the abandoning of a sovereign position. He says, "...who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation." and took upon himself the form of a servant. And what we see is, is that uh, <coughs> Jesus Christ divested himself of his position, his place as God. He took upon himself the form of humanity. And, and what we see is, is uh, first of all, in his essence, he is God. And because he is God... He uh, placed that aside from himself and uh, took upon himself the form of man. Look at uh, with me at a couple of verses that uh, that go along with this, uh, starting in John chapter eight, verse fifty-eight. Bless you. John chapter 8, verse 58 says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, Before Abraham was, I am. He, this is Jesus speaking of himself. He says, Before Abraham, and he's talking to the Pharisees there, and he's uh, there making all these comparisons to uh, Abraham, uh, to Jesus, and he says, uh, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, and he's taking and using that that word that that God used to Moses when God revealed Himself to mankind in the burning bush. He says, I am. He says. Uh, uh, I've existed before Abraham, and not only that, I am the eternal I am. He says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse uh, uh, Hebrews 1, he says uh, that who being the brightness of His glory and the expression of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power when He had by Himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels as He hath uh, by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they for unto which the angels said He is uh, He at any time Thou art my son, that this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and shall be to him to me a son. And so we see that place with God that he is. He is the son of God. And uh, we see this throughout Scripture. Uh, Jesus time and again asserts his authority and, and his place. And we see uh, that that. Jesus Christ is more than just a man. He's just more than somebody who was born into a poverty of a uh, of a and born in a, a dingy, uh, dirty uh, uh, stable. He was uh, 
God in the flesh. He is God in the person. Uh, the the word here in back in Philippians that is used here is uh, a word that's that's known as Shama. He says in verse six, "Who being in the form of God." Uh, this was a word that denotes not just something on uh, a person of who he was as a person. He was God Himself. He was in the form of God. He. This is the a changing of the outer appearance. He became like man. He. Uh, it's used here in verse uh, seven and eight how. He took on the form of man. He took on that outer, outer change. He is unchanging internally, but he is on the outward appearance uh, changed. He, uh, the word morph here uh, that's usually used in terms of a form or, or appearance is what is used like in Romans when Jesus uh, is talked about how when we become a Christian, uh, we become like Christ and He changes us from the inside out. But that's not the word that's used here. It's the word shama, which is a word that is in appearance of a likeness of being on an outward appearance where He is the same inwardly. He is uh, God incarnate inwardly. He is totally God but he appear, he's taking upon the form of humanity that he might be with us. Uh, so we don't need to miss the point of the fact that he is God. He is uh, totally and completely God. But secondly, we see that he emptied of, of himself. He, it says here, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. It, it means, the word here, kino, that's used here, it means to, to pour out, to empty himself up, to allow uh, the essence of his, uh, who he is as a person to be poured out so that he might be able to, uh, to be like us, to, be, to take on our form on the outward self, but also uh, to pour out his authority, pour out his, uh, his person as his position. He didn't, uh, he didn't grasp hold of the fact that he was uh, in his majesty, in all of his uh, things. He didn't give up his deity, but he stripped himself of his privilege. I thought that was a, a, a significant uh, description of who, what Christ did. He stripped of himself his privilege of being God. And so what did he give up? He, he gave up his majesty. He gave up uh, the fact that he was God and his glory that was uh, uh, shining out upon him. In fact, uh, we see in John chapter 17 verse 5 where Jesus is praying to God and he says uh, he's asking God to glorify him, to, to give back his glory that he might be able to exalt God in his death on the cross. Uh, before he went to the cross of Calvary. He gave up his honor as well. Isaiah 5, uh, 5 verse, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 53 says he was despised, he was rejected, he was hated and mocked, he was uh, ridiculed, he was defamed, he was accused and dishonored when he went to the cross of Calvary. He gave up also his riches, all the, the glory and riches of being 
God and, and being worshipped and His uh, position of authority on the, on the throne in heaven. He gave all of that up for us. He divested it of Him uh, and He didn't keep that. The Bible says here in, in Philippians, He didn't uh, see that as something that He had to, uh, to hold on to, but rather allowed Himself to become uh, like man. He gave up his favorable position with God and allowed uh, God to, uh, to control his situation in his life. He, he gave up his authority. Every time that, that Jesus uh, healed someone, did something uh, that uh, was used as to honor God, he, he prayed to God and allowed, allowed uh, God's will to be done, and and several times throughout his ministry, Jesus says, uh, he said, I, "I'm here to do the will of the Father." And so, uh, oftentimes we see Jesus giving up his authority and his prerogative of of what to do, and in fact, uh, we see in that famous scene uh, at right before going to the cross, while he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying that God would allow him. Uh, to pass the cup of dying on the cross, of allowing that cup to be uh, to pass by him and not have to uh, go to the cross and die for our sins, and yet he says, "Not my will, but thine be done." And so he's allowing God to have uh, the Father to have that authority, and so uh, this is something that he has given up his privilege, his prerogative. Uh, that he's given up so that he might be able to be the sacrifice that we need, uh, the sacrifice that uh, he gave on the cross of Calvary. So we see, uh, 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 first of all, that that God gave up his uh, place of majesty on the cross uh, on the on the throne in heaven. Secondly, he accepted a servant's place. Look at with me in verse seven. He says, "But he made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant." Now, when Christ came to earth, he didn't come as. Uh, come out of the sky with all the angels declaring His glory and, and come and, and uh, be with us and rule from a throne and on earth. He didn't come as uh, the heir to a throne. He didn't come as a great leader. He didn't come as a person of great authority, but rather He came as a lowly servant. We see that epitomized by uh, Jesus uh, when He's there with His disciples uh, uh, taking off His robe and putting on a cloth around His waist and going and, and washing the feet of each of His servants. And, and he, he says to them, as I have done, you are to do also. Meaning, uh, look, I, I'm, if I, your teacher... Am a servant to you. You need to be a servant to others. You need to go about and and serve others. And 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 so Jesus uh, shows us an image of service, of servitude, of being willing to serve others. And and uh, he became a man, not uh, wanting to be a king or a ruler, but a servant. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, Jesus says, I came to do thy will, O Father. In Luke chapter 22, verse 27, says, uh, I, uh, I am as one who serves. 
in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he says uh, that he is the Son of Man who was sent to serve others. And so we see Jesus Christ taking on the role of a servant. And we need to understand uh, the significance of that. He, he, did, he didn't just give up the majesty and the glory of the, of the throne, of His position of being God on the throne in heaven, but also came that He might serve us, that He might be a sacrifice for us, that He might give unto others what we couldn't do for ourselves, which is to provide us ourselves for a, uh, a Savior. Thirdly, we see that he, ca- he approached a sinful people. Look with me, if you will, uh, in that verse uh, number 7. He says, uh, "...who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men." He entered into... Uh, look... <clears throat> This is God who know, knew no sin. God who, who uh, was not in, in the presence of sin, not uh, allowing Himself to, to be around sin. Uh, remember the significance of what sin does. It puts us at arm's length from God. It, it puts us away from God. And, and the reason we need a Savior is so that we can come into the presence of God, so that we can come and, and uh, be reunited with God. Here is God incarnate, not just willing to give up of His position and authority as God, not just being willing to come in the form of a servant, but immersing himself in a sinful world, of taking upon <coughs> himself the form of mankind that he might come in the midst of us, where there was sin abounding all around. We don't really think about that very much. We don't think about the fact that, that Jesus uh, was... It, it's just like... Uh, remember the parable that Jesus gave of uh, the young man who uh, wished to have his uh, father's inheritance and went off to a distant land. Remember uh, the, uh, uh, the the parable of the prodigal son, and and one of the things that made life so difficult and bad for him was not just simply losing all of his money, but that he, a Jewish young man who who had no uh, association with anything that was considered to be uh, 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 non-kosher things like pigs, wound up in the pig pen feeding the pigs and and even eating some of the, the husks that they were eating as well. And that was symbolic of what Jesus Christ did for us. He uh, who knew no sin, who knew no association with sin, not only allowed Himself to be divested of His place of honor and glory in heaven, but came in amongst us in the midst of our, our sin, our filth, all the sin of our world. And not only that, He remained pure and holy in the presence of all of that sin and then took upon Himself our sin on the cross. And so we see the the significance of what Jesus did. Uh, Also, 
uh, not only that, uh, we see also that he uh, adopted a selfless position or posture. He humbled himself. Look at verse 8. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. He humbled himself. He came in humility. He didn't come and say, look at me, I'm God. Look at me, hey, everybody come and see. You remember that's really what one of the temptations of Satan was when Satan took him to uh, the top of the temple and said, hey, jump off here and the angels will catch you. And, and the idea was is that Jesus would be seen for who He really was because all the angels would come and rescue Him before He fell uh, to the street floor uh, after He jumped off from the top of the temple. It was to proclaim who He was and to, and to reveal to the world His place of authority and His place of who He was. But Jesus came in humility. He came, He didn't, not only did He not come and as the son of a, an emperor or, or a king or ruler, He didn't come as a conquering king, but he, he came in the most humble of circumstances. He came into the home of a, of a carpenter and a young woman who didn't have enough even to, to have a room in the inn. Uh, when they went to Bethlehem, he was born in a stable in a, in a manger, uh, not just because uh, uh, it kind of fits with the story, but it, the significance of that is is that they had so little. Do you think if, if Joseph and Mary would have shown up at the, the inn in Bethlehem, if they were rich, if they had a lot of money, don't you think that innkeeper would have been kicking somebody out of the best room in the inn if they had a lot of money? Uh, they were poor. They had next to nothing. And that's why they wound up being uh, the ones out in the stable. It was because they had nothing. He came and He met with those who were in poverty. He, his ministry uh, was, was focused around those who were uh, ostracized amongst the sinners, the tax collectors, and the, and the prostitutes. His, his ministry was, was primarily to those who were poor and destitute and had nothing for themselves that they were willing to, uh, to sell themselves in order to have uh, the ability to eat. Jesus' humility was so significant because here, here, here He is, He's God. And remember the first uh, temptation that Jesus faced. He was out in the wilderness and had nothing to eat. And Satan said, look, uh, these rocks all around here, you could turn all of them into bread if you wanted to. And really, that is not just a temptation about His hunger, but think about all the things that Jesus, who, the Creator of all that is, could have done if He had allowed His power 
and majesty to come forth and to be shown. He could have done whatever he wanted to do uh, to make everybody he knew and everybody that was around him rich beyond uh, their wildest expectations. He could have he could have said, you know, my my folks here, uh, this carpenter and 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 uh, woman that that he's married to, they don't have to live in poverty. I can make it so that they get rich and and have all kinds of money. He could have done that easily. But in humility, he uh, lived without a pillow for his head, the Bible says, without a place to lie at night. He didn't have even uh, a blanket to go over him at night. He had to use his own outer garment as as a covering. He had nothing for himself and didn't desire to have or to amass anything for himself. He came in utter humility. He didn't come to better himself or better those around him, but rather he came to sacrifice himself and to give himself as the ultimate gift, the ultimate treasure for mankind. And lastly, we see that he ascended a supreme prince. Look at verse 9. He was honored by God because of his willingness to serve. He says, wherefore, verse 9, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given a name which is above every name. Why? That it, in the name of Jesus every knee should bow and uh, uh, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What we see here is, is that Jesus was giving of Himself so that He might glorify God and that that all of creation might benefit by His sacrifice of giving of Himself on the cross of Calvary. And if there's any doubt about what Christmas is all about, that is what Christmas is about. Is It's not about all the gaudy presents that we think of and, and the consumerism and the me, 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 my, my, where's my present? What am I getting I, I, under the tree? Do I have as many presents as... as uh, uh, she does or as he does uh, do I uh, is my present any better than what did you spend on me well I I, I, I spent uh, twice as much on you not those things are immaterial that's not what Christmas is about Christmas is about not just the celebration of Christ coming but the celebration of all that Christ gave up on our behalf all the things that God did for us that we might have an understanding of His love, that we might have an inkling of His love for us. You, 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 you grasp that, don't you? The greatest gift of all is given not by Santa Claus, but by God Himself, that He would give of Himself that we might have the opportunity to know Him to love Him and to worship Him, that He gave everything, everything that we would have and desire to have. He gave all of that that we might have His love, that we might experience His love and experience His embrace. One of the greatest things of all I hear everyone talk about when they come to the end of their life, their desire 
like it says in the song, is to see Jesus. They, yes, they want to see family members that have gone on. Yes, they want to uh, be up in heaven and, and experience the glory of heaven. But more than anything, their desire is to see Jesus, to see His nail-pierced hands, to embrace Him and love Him. All of that couldn't be done without the gift of Jesus Christ. And so this Christmas, think mostly of the true meaning of Christmas, of Jesus giving of Himself, of God giving all of Himself for us as a gift that we might enjoy all of who He is. Let's join together in prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You for Your great love and we praise You for the great joy that is in understanding and knowing Your love. We thank You, Father, for uh, the true joy of the greatest gift that has ever been given. And that is the gift of Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us, who gave up all of the glory of heaven that we might experience Your love. Lord, help us today to share that love with others, to, to share the true meaning of Christmas with others. Let others understand and know the greatest gift of all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.